With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight's show is brought to you by our sponsors, Football Prizes. Football Prizes organise online raffles with limited tickets to win first-class football prizes. And this week, you could win a signed James Tavernier shirt, beautifully framed as well. Signed James Tavernier shirt in a frame for just four ninety-five per ticket. It's only 99 tickets available. And some of these auctions, they don't even sell out, improving your odds of winning the prize. So if you want to enter this competition, and there's loads of other stuff, if you're into other football clubs or if you're into other national teams, etc, etc, there's loads of stuff available. Just go to footballprizes.co.uk, that's footballprizes.co.uk, and you'll see the Tavernier shirt. This prize closes on Monday, it will be drawn, there will be a winner, whether there's one ticket gone or all 99. So for just 4 you have a chance to have a framed, signed, top by the man who led us to 55. Good evening and welcome to your second free Heart and Hand show of the week. I'm your host Adam Thornton and on tonight's show we will look back on Thursday night's match in Prague as Rangers lost 1-0 and quite disgustingly a number of players including Glenn Kamara were booed throughout the game by Sparta fans. Joining me tonight we have David Marshall, hello. How you doing mate? And we've got Ross Hutton. Ross, how's things? Ah, good mate, thanks for having me, cheers. No worries, good to have you both on. Okay, David, let's start with Glenn Kamara. Um, it was noticeable, very noticeable throughout the game yeah. that Kamara and, and pretty much every other Black Rangers player were being booed um, throughout. As the manager said post-match, there shouldn't have been anyone in the stadium to begin with, as Sparta Prague were supposed to have been, sp- been punished for another racist incident in the last home game. But it, it was essentially a full house, the manager said, and I think for me the golem thing is that the vast majority of fans in there were were school kids. It's just unacceptable that this happens again, and it's in its entirety. But with another team from from Prague, you can't help but but think there's an issue there. It's 
it was quite incredible. You know, it was pretty much in the first minute, and uh, when Kamara first touched the ball, and you heard the buzz instantly, and there was a part of me, you know, that, that was shocked by this, I suppose. I really shouldn't be, because this is, what well, incidents in thousands that, that this has happened in, in, the, in this part of the world. It's, um, it's, it's, it's disgusting, but we really shouldn't be um, surprised. It is more shocking, also, because, as you say, Adam, it was a crowd that was majority made up of children, or there wasn't children, it was adults who were there to look after children. These kids aren't doing this off their own back. They have been told to, to do this. They have been educated is not the right word, but they've been <laughs> trained to 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 to, to boo these uh, to blue Glen Kamara to blue to boo our our black players that we had had playing for us last night and it's it's disgusting and once again, you know, the blame for this falls solely at the feet of UEFA. For one allowing these clubs to continue to play in the competition in the first place, but for banning their own fans from their stadium and then letting people in there in the first place, this is UEFA's fault 100%. And we'll play another team from from this part of the world again, Adam, and probably having this conversation again because I have absolutely no faith in UEFA to do anything about it. No, I completely agree. Um, Ross... Like the manager and, and David have just said there, UEFA clearly aren't bored about taking this seriously, given um, I can't claim to know the full history from, from Prague, from, from memory. I'm fairly sure there was some Chelsea incidents as well. I might be getting that wrong, so apologies if I am. But obviously they've went to a stadium ban the last time, which certainly indicates that it's not it's not the first offence. Um, but then UEFA have allowed them to circumvent that stadium ban or at least bend the rules to get some kind of atmosphere in. Um, we understand they had no to racism cards as well to hold up in the stands pre-match, but given one of the kids had a, a card in favour of, or a, a card supporting Andre Cudella, um, I'm not sure it really mattered. And it was clearly just a token gesture. Uh, yeah, token gesture is exactly what it is. Look, UEFA have had the opportunity countless times, and that's a depressing enough statement to make, but they've had the opportunity countless times to show that they, they mean what they say on those slogans, that they really do mean no to racism and want to stamp it out. But as as we've just discussed, that's clearly not happened. The kind of halfway house that they got from last night, letting these children in, I'm not entirely sure what they expected to happen. David's right. It's galling at any point, but the most galling thing is these were kids, school kid age. I mean, loads of people listening to this will have kids around the same age, and you would never dream of raising your children to to act in such a fashion. And that obviously comes from the parents down, but it's depressing to think that yet another generation of children from that part of the world will be brought up with these these horrendous attitudes. And from a UEFA perspective, look, they could take stronger action if they wanted to. You know, they have the mechanisms there to do it. They could have had a full stadium ban from last night, but again, they've chose not to. And it's just letting down black players time after time after time. I mean, we had a lot of discussions um, after the Slavia incident where numerous black players, from across, not just from Rangers, but from across the kind of football world, came out and said that they felt really badly let down by not just UEFA in this one instance, but uh, across many others as well. And they've just let them down again. And you need to think, at what point does it end? Where, where is the natural end point from this? Will UEFA ever actually take this as seriously as they should? Because how many times do we need to sit here on a podcast or chatting among mates and just talk about this issue that, that is much more, much greater than football, much more important than football, but tends to rear its, its ugly head in that fashion. It's just really depressing all in. 
it is. A, I was amazed by by Slavia's reaction um, with the essential double down or saying that didn't happen. We don't believe you. Sparta are now doing exactly the same thing. I don't know what what it is, but it is a basically don't back down, double down thing that they're they're doing. They're now on the offensive, blaming Rangers and Glen Kamara because children are being abused. Children aren't being abused. There's questions being asked as to why kids are booing black players in in a stadium. So that's a pretty valid question. Like we said, they they are kids. They pan the stadium, and you're talking about. 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds, younger um, probably in, in some instances. So it's not even as if it's, it's teenagers. It is very young kids that are, are booing black players, mostly Glenn Kamara. Um, David, uh, I've noticed the very few Czech people on Twitter who, who don't appear to be bots um, saying that we don't understand Czechoslovakia, or sorry, we don't understand the Czech people, we don't understand um, their, their way of thinking and that basically they've been brought up to um, with the belief that physical violence is worse than any other any other thing that you can do to a player or do to a person. So so they're basically so they are saying that people in the Czech Republic hate Glenn Kamara and they hate Kamara Roof because they assaulted Czech players. For them, that is much worse than racism. Um, I don't really know what to do with that. They're saying that in Roof's case, an accidental tackle on a football pitch where he wasn't looking at the player and he's going for the ball means that that player is fair game for booing monkey emojis, banana emojis on Instagram. He's fair game for all of that. And it's fair game to target him because of his skin colour, essentially. We've seen some some people saying that um, it's no different to calling someone fat or saying someone has a big nose these appear to be normal people from the Czech Republic, but they can't really understand this very, very, very serious subject that I don't really... It's actually quite appalling that, that they have that, that opinion. And from the kind of insight we're getting from even the Czech government, the Czech foreign minister seems to be... Um, going down this kids route as well and saying it's disgusting and, and we're we're assault we're abusing kids, etc. They just don't really seem to get how serious an issue this is. There's a I think there's an element of there with the point now um we and the UK can be quite ignorant to um to the climate of things or issues on, on the continent. Um you know you look at and I'm I'm going to say this as a caveat, Adam, as you know, I'm quite a left-wing leaning person, um, liberal hand-wringer, etc. With Brexit and everything that happened, the aftermath came from people who, you know, leaned to my side. The thing is, mainland Europe, in some people's mind, became this almost liberal paradise, and that's not really the case. I mean, you, you love your Italian football, Adam. How many racist incidents have there been in the year? Spanish football, French football? Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe has got a massive problem with racism. Just this week as well, I posted a thing in our, our group chat about um, a Ukrainian hockey game and a white hockey player, um, you know, doing a, a hand gestures to a black player of eating a banana. You know, it's this is this is not something that's isolated to, to football. This is a problem with uh, these cultures and these these countries and 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 that, this part of the world. And we are quite ignorant ignorant to that and uh, how how they were brought up, how they were, how they were educated. They might not have the same uh, level of diversity that we do in this country. And that's not, you know, I'm not saying that Scotland or the United Kingdom is any way perfect. We have our own problems with uh, racism and discrimination and, and, and all that. But 
I, I think it's, you know, very much intensified in, in these parts of the world, and because they don't see it as something that, that needs tackled, they, they don't see it as a problem, but um, it is, pure and simply. And I, I don't know how, um, how, how you tackle it. I don't know how, how do you educate um, these clubs, these, these people, if they're not willing to change my uh, resolution is okay if you're not willing to act like civilized people then you don't get to play in, in our competitions if you're not able to treat people like people then you don't play with us i think completely agree 100 percent. it's just that the time has come if as i said if they're on a stadium ban already um then i don't know i think the next the next step has to be some sort of expulsion or impact in that way um from from european competition i think we'll, we'll wait to hear what what uefa do but ross i know pfa scotland and, and fair have have been out fair have uh, been condemning the abuse and they've also um recommend that they think that uh, they should be expelled from the competition. It feels like a stupid question, but do we have any expectation that UEFA will treat um, the Rangers complaint, which we believe was was filed to UEFA um, last night or this morning? Do you think we'll have any any interest in completing that? Any, any interest in treating that anywhere near as seriously as they should? No, no. For, for the reasons that we've said before, is they have had plenty of opportunities to treat this issue as seriously as they should. And not once have they ever actually stepped up to the plate and done so. And we're, we're, we're talking about it here. You're talking about even the Sparta statement and doubling down. It's about their narrative and, and how they're trying to, you know, project that to the world, if you like. So they, they would like it to believe that this is Rangers who have a gripe against the Czech Republic for, for whatever reason, just trying to, to denigrate their culture. They want this to be a culture war against them. And that's not the case. And anyone with any kind of sense can see through that and see exactly what it is, is they are just trying to cover their own backs for being racist. And and they know that. You see the way the fans have acted from Sparta fans to Slavia fans, and you see there's almost like a unity across the divide there. You mentioned the child with the, the Cadella uh, banner. Where, where else do you find that? It, between the city rival clubs anywhere in the world, where else would you find that unity over an issue it, not not less with something as disgusting as racism. So, do I think UEFA will do anything serious? No, of course I don't. I don't think anyone does. I'd, I'd look, I'd love them to surprise me. I really would. I'd, I'd love them to, to knock my socks off and give Sparta Praga a, a full European ban, but they don't, and, and, and they won't because, for some whatever reason, it's not seemingly in their interest to tackle racism with the same severity that they should. I just went and checked there because I wasn't I wasn't going to go and accuse uh, Sparta Prague of racism against a, a club that, that they didn't do, and I had thought it was Chelsea, but it was actually Arsenal in 2005 who played uh, Sparta Prague with part of, of the Sparta Prague stadium being closed because of their supporters' racist chanting. So that's 16 years ago. Um, they were this was happening, and it doesn't in this specific stadium, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, Stephen Gerrard said today at the press conference for Hibs. I'm fully aware now, having watched the game back with audio, and I'm actually quite surprised I wasn't aware of it during the game. Spoken to Glenn, that conversation will remain private. Glenn's okay. I'm sure he's disappointed, just like me. Now it's time for the authorities and the club just to step in and take that away from us so we can focus on the game on Sunday. I've been told Rangers are going to take up with UEFA. I think that's already happened. I'll certainly be pushing from my direction to make sure that's the case. So... No easy way to move on um, from this, but as has always been the case, Glenn Kamara and all Rangers players have our backing and we support them fully on, on this one. Ross, 
onto the game then. Um, starting lineup: uh, McGregor and goals uh, back after after two games out. Uh, Tavernier right back, Barisic left back, Balogun and Bassi in the centre of the fence. Midfield three of Kamara, Davis and Janino Bakuna. Uh, and up front we had Sakala, Roof uh, and Aribo. I didn't know too much about Sparta's team before the game, I have to be honest, Ross, but I was a little surprised by the lineup here. Um, my first instinct would be to protect that centre-back pairing. So whilst um, I don't really like it as a as a combination, I would maybe have been inclined to go with Davis, Lindstrom and Kamara as a bit more of a solid midfield three. But what was your immediate thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, I would agree with that fully. I mean, when we're in the position where we need to play Bassey at centre-half, and look, he's played there before him, I believe he played there for the Leicester under-23, so it's not a position that's totally alien to him. But it's far from ideal. I don't think even Steven Gerrard in his pre-match yesterday was, was trying to get anyone on that is, is ideal to have him there. But, you know, he could fill in. But I think in that position, even if you do want to go and try and get a positive result from the game, you do need to give them your first and foremost thinking, which is to protect them. So if we think of the midfield three that has worked so well for us in Europe, that, that Davis, Jack and Kamara trio. I think possibly the closest you'd get to that with Ryan Jack not being in there would be to put Lundstrom in alongside Davis and Kamara. And you give that kind of extra layer of, of protection to that to that defence when you know they could be a wee bit ropey in those situations. I had pan out throughout the game, of course. So you give them that extra layer of protection, it gives you a wee bit of an extra peace of mind, and then you try and work the ball up to, obviously, your front line, uh, led by Sakala. I, w- I was a wee bit surprised with that lineup, to be honest. Obviously, there's not really much you could do with the back four, but I would have liked to have seen them given just a wee bit more protection. And I think as the game went on, especially as, as we went behind and we went to try and chase to get the equaliser, they became more and more exposed. And I think the deficiencies of that kind of centre-back pairing, which everyone knows is, is not ideal and probably won't see again, but I think that got exposed quite badly throughout the game. It did, and we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, Marshall, I thought we did okay for the first 20 minutes, if I'm if I'm putting my positive pants yeah. on. Not not great uh, by any stretch, but but showing some some decent combinations. There was that, that decent chance for Aribo from a corner. I think it was cleared off the line. Maybe the keeper would have been covering, I'm not sure, but certainly the defender headed that away. Yeah, he's really good at those runs across the defender at corners, isn't he? We we get a lot of opportunities from them and obviously we got the goal in, in January against Celtic. That is one thing that he, he's very, very good at um, and hopefully it's something that we can take advantage of in future, but it just wasn't to be on this one. Yeah, well, much like any other time, I've whipped a pair of pants off. I'm finished in 20 minutes, much like Rangers were last night. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's what I think was really disappointing. We started fairly well, and that game felt like it was um, it was there to be got at. It was there for for a, for a, for us to to win or get a decent result from. I thought the the front three offered nothing. I thought I think it was a it was the right idea in feed. I thought that worked quite well. You know, I thought. Sakala's pace could could help us here, and you know he did have that 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 chance early doors when he was running through, and I think on another night that that would have that would have paid dividends for us. But he got got very very little support from beside him or or in behind him. We again just an attacking sense. We look so predictable, so easy to deal with, and um, and blunt was the word I used last night. And I think that's a uh, Fairly accurate, to, to be honest. Um, I'll, I'll again, I'll, I'll be brutally honest here. I didn't expect us to, to win last night before the game. I actually said during the week to you guys that I thought we were we were going to get beat. Um, you can't just turn on for them 
you know, and when you're going up against a better team, you're, you're going to get punished. I think the way we're playing at the moment will we'll do us okay most of the time in Scotland. I'm sure we'll talk about that more when we talk about Sunday's game, but we need to do more against these uh, against the better teams when we when we come to play, play in Europe. You know, we just can't expect to turn up because we don't necessarily have a far and away better, better team in paper than the teams we're going up against. Our natural talent isn't going to see us through. We we need to do better or this is going to end up as a very painful campaign in Europe. It absolutely is. Um, Ross, like we said there, I, I did think Aribo and Sakala were linking up quite well in the early stages. Um, that ball through for Sakala that Marshall mentioned, pretty much our only other chance of, of the half and arguably the game. Um, Sakala obviously has bags of pace uh, and enthusiasm. He was chasing everything possible, but it was all just a bit erratic. Um, like David said, he didn't have much support from the other team, and I think that really from the others in the team, and I think that really showed, particularly with how he's pressing the ball. Um, he's the only one kind of going and running and breaking breaking the defensive structure. So, so Sparta were able to kind of play around them pretty easily. I don't think Aribo, Haji, and Roof were were really on it in terms of making sure that they were doing their their best to get up and support him and I think that was the issue. He kinda looked isolated. He looked like he was just trying his trying his best to get any kind of scraps, but it was the support round about him that I thought was was lacking as well. Yeah, look, I I, I like Fashion Sakal. I think there's there's a lot of kind of raw talent there, but he is the kind of guy who would chase down a lost cause just to make sure it is indeed a lost cause, isn't he? He kinda Yeah, yeah um you get a lot of endeavour from him which we as, as fans like to see. I don't care you'll ever. How long is he? Uh, how long is he described as a headless chicken bad fans? I'm surprised <laughs> it's not happened already. But yeah, yeah. Uh, wait till we talk about Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm joking about that. I'm joking. <laughs> um, that's uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of them there from. I think there's a lot to like in that respect. And in those kind of games last night, where you think you might get a wee bit more room in behind, you would like him to try and make that difference. But if he's going to be able to do that, you need to see a lot more of what happened in the first half, as you mentioned, with that able ball through. Now, in Scotland, I think it's going to be quite a different story for Sakala because we simply don't get that kind of room in behind. It's just against, you know, almost all the teams we play in, in Scotland, maybe barring the one that we play on Sunday and, of course, Celtic, we're not going to get that amount of space. But in Europe, we often do. But if you want to be able to kind of use that explosive pace and actually utilise him to, to the fullest of his ability, you need to try and give him the service and he was absolutely starved of it last night so he had to try and do a lot of that extra running to try and almost fashion the, the excuse the pun, fashion chances for himself um, but when you're not going to be able to provide him with that level of service I'm not entirely sure what you're what you expect him to do he's not a Morelos style player where he can just rampage through a defence that's not his game it's never going to be his game just purely because of the player that he is so if you're going to play him, you need to be able to get the actual link up to him well, which he does do it does do well in spells. But as, as I say, if you're not going to be able to actually give him any type of service, then he's on a bit of hiding for nothing. Yeah, I think, like you said, we'll come on to domestically. I think that maybe the only saving grace is if he, if Sakala had hit that shot against Celtic, they'd have probably conceded three goals from it, which would be would be fantastic. <laughs> so if we can get that um, get that going in the New Year game, I think we'll be, we'll be good. But yes, that's a long way away um, just now. Defensively, we were um, really poor throughout, but I felt like it was in different ways in both halves. In the early stages, I thought Bassey and Tavernier were very, very sloppy in possession, giving the ball away in key areas, constantly playing into the middle of the park, and 
either slipping or just being way off it with a pass. And the gaps were very, very evident in, in the middle of the park. As we mentioned, possibly Lundstrom coming in there to shore things up might have been um, a, a good uh, approach. Uh, Sparta had a good chance, which McGregor saved well after they found loads of space in the centre again through a, a bit of a slip by Bassey. They had that shot. McGregor should save that, um, but it is a good save. The goal, Marshall, I think... Given how poor Bassey seems to be in the air and how little height yeah. we had in the team other than Balligan, it was maybe an expectation that set pieces would be would be an issue for us. Uh, Hankel gets the run on Bassey and dominates him at that corner. I don't think Bassey even gets off the ground, to be honest. But to be fair, it is a great header and it loops right up into the top corner before bouncing back down. I don't think that was really against the run of play um, or anything like that, but it wasn't exactly a huge surprise given how we were starting to play at that point. No, I think um, it certainly that was, you know, the screw turned at that point. They they'd got a foothold into the game and we're starting to take take over a, a wee bit. Um, the goal itself was really disappointing for as good as a for as good as a finish as it was, and you can't kind of take it away from the guy for that. It is the our defending. We make it all too easy. Bassey's well well beaten to, beaten to the ball, and defensively we were just. An absolute riot, and this, as you say, it was in in every and <laughs> and every sorry in, in different ways throughout the the defence. We seem to be failing, and when we go on to talk to the, the second half, and we managed to find more ways to to be uh, to be worse somehow. <sighs> I take your point about um, Lundstrom maybe being in being in the midfield free last night, but I don't know if that might be a thing that sounds better than free there than the practice because. I'm still not convinced that Lundstrom and Davis worked together. I don't know if that, that helped things massively, but it was an area that you know we thought was going to be a concern last night. Um, and yeah, I think we know in normal situations, Bassi wouldn't be getting anywhere near a certain half position in Europe, but it was a case of needs must, and it just it didn't pan out, unfortunately. No, it didn't. Um, Danilo Bakuna went off injured after a pretty ineffectual half an hour to that point. He was replaced oh, yeah. by Happy. Yeah, placed by Hadji and, and Aribo, Aribo dropped back into midfield. I felt we lost a little bit there, just that link play. Hadji didn't have a, a great night at all. Um, and I think Aribo has that kind of link between midfield and attack. Maybe just didn't quite um, work as well when he was a bit deeper back. Kamara picked up a booking just before half time. David, I'm going to stay with you. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. It, that looked like obstruction to me and blocking the player with his legs. Um, like a bit of a professional foul. But I've seen a few people saying it was possibly a harsh yellow. What's your thoughts on it? Uh, initially, I thought it was a foul. Um, on second view, and I'm not quite sure um, if he meant it, but as it was in real time, um, I thought it was, you know, if it's a foul, it has to be a book in there. So I can I can understand why the referee booked him for that one. Yeah, we'll come on to the referee a little bit later on. Don't you worry about that. So, into the second half, and things start to get a bit more erratic uh, for me. I think. Sparta sensed the weakness in the centre of defence and they moved Lozek into the the central areas uh, much more than he'd been in the first half. He was out in the left wing for most of it and I thought he was able to do loads of damage in there. We're, we're playing a high line anyway, so to kind of squeeze the game. But then obviously after conceding the goal, we try and push up even more and attempt to kind of hem Sparta in to get even just the one goal back. But the defence just all over the place, Ross. The gaps right through the centre for me are inexcusable at this level just absolutely zero positional sense or awareness of danger 
I, I think Balogun looked really tired, to be honest. I was banking on him to be able to hold that together and talk Bassi through the game, but he looked like he was a wee bit jaded as well. So that wasn't great overall last night. Big worry for Sunday, and then if he's going to win international duty again over the next couple of weeks as well, that's potentially a bit of an issue too, Ross. But overall, defensively, starting that second half, I thought it was a bit of a comedy of errors. Oh, it was criminal. Absolutely criminal and quite painful to watch. Actually, I mean, look, we have not had our troubles to seek defensively this season. We've been a wee bit of a riot, um, especially coming off the back of a record-breaking defensive season last season. But at that level, nine times out of ten, and last night, for God knows how, we didn't get punished for it. But at that level, if you want to defend as in a kamikaze style like that, you're going to get punished for it and look... Sparta could have been two, three, four goals ahead just with the amount of clear-cut chances they created. And I agree with you what you said. Look, Bass is a young player coming into uh, the central, the centre of defence. He has, he's, he has his own kind of difficulties in terms of his heading ability, which I think you've discussed. Um, but you would like the senior pro there, Balgan, to be able to kind of talk him through the game. On the other flip side of that, in that kind of defensive pairing, the usual defensive pairing of Goldson and Balogun, it'd be Goldson doing all the talking. I'm not entirely sure Balogun's that kind of player. And you're asking him to kind of step up into that, almost like the vice-captain's role, to be honest, and what, how he leads that back for. It's, it's not going to happen. And we were exposed time after time after time, especially when, as you say, we're trying to push up the park to actually get an equaliser. And it, it could have been a lot messier than, than what it actually ended up on, on the score sheet. It's not something we'd like to see again. And as I've said throughout, it's not an ideal pairing. We're all really aware of that. But at that level, it's just absolutely criminal. You can't defend like that. No, I think Sparta cut through at least five times, cut through the defence. It, it was really galling to see actually we, we wouldn't we couldn't even play through the centre either as like I said they closed off off the middle it wasn't sticking with the front three when we did manage to get it through and it felt like those balls through just it was it was constant for a for a good 15 minutes or so what I will say is that despite all of that and it's a bit of a theme um Sparta only really had that one big sitter where they ended up hitting the bar from close range David I know McGregor had that save with his legs but we would expect him to save that again and then other than that really um, not a huge amount else there's a lot of danger because they're cutting through us but when you look at it they're kind of cutting cutting through us on the halfway line and then fluffing their lines or we get back to to kind of protect it so despite all of that chaos if you talk about chances in the middle of the box they only really had that one other one I'm not saying it turned out to be a great defensive performance by any stretch but um, it probably could have been a lot more I think that's kind of the point though, isn't it? You know, because this, where this is a team that's better than most of the SPFL fodder that will play every week, it's not, it's not a great team. We are beating far better teams in Europe under under Steven Gerrard. I think that only adds to the frustration. To be perfectly honest, Adam, that through times last night we made a, in European terms, a pretty average team look good. And I think just to kind of un- underline that point, when you look at the XG from last night, there's nothing spectacular there either compared to what we actually seen with our eyes. I think uh, lo- looking at the kind of football app, as, as I like to do, Sparta only had an XG of 1.15. Now, considering the absolute battering they gave us in, in terms of cutting through defence, that's nothing nothing remarkable. So in terms of the actual quality of chances they created, they had that one absolute massive setter, like you said, how they don't score that, I've got no idea. But... In terms of the, the quality of chances we conceded, that, that's maybe something to talk about, to be fair. That wasn't as 
create a dangerous what it maybe appeared like at the time. But as David rightly said, that just adds to the frustration because they're not that great a team. We have beaten better home and away. In Europe, we've fared far better home and away against better sides than that. And that just adds to the whole frustration around where Rangers are at the moment. If we turn up last night, we win. It's simple yeah, as that. absolutely. I think when I, when I mentioned that was a theme, it, it, it is a theme. Like You think about the goals that we've conceded, even even in Leon, even against Leon, the goals that we've conceded, one of them's an absolute world day, and then the, the second one is a, a pinball goal that can, can go anywhere. And there's a lot of mistakes in it, but a little bit of luck at the key moment, and that ball doesn't go in. Um, St. Johnson and Motherwell, defensive lapses, and they kind of get... In Motherwell's case, the guy gets the, the break of the ball and gets it in the net. In, St. Johnson's, in the St. Johnson game, fair enough, it's, it's really poor. But it's not like an onslaught of chances. It's unfortunate in key, in key moments we make really bad decisions and we get punished for them. But it's not as if we're getting absolutely ripped apart in the penalty area and fending off loads and loads of chances. I'm not saying it's a positive at all. But um, as David said, I, I think if we play anywhere near our best, then we get at the very, very least, a draw and probably feel quite unlucky about it. It is a thing, though, Adam, so I just interrupt you there. If you are a Rangers a defender, though, you know, you're not going to be pelted or peppered for, for 90 minutes, so you need to be turned on at all times. And you're right there, there is a, there is a theme going through defence at the moment with the type of goals we're losing and even, you know, not, not seeing goals. How many times right now are we getting caught out by simple long balls over the top, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So, Morelos comes on for Roof, who I thought was very ineffectual. Um, yeah. Would you have started Alfie, Ross? Um, I thought the combination of the three was interesting. The manager said he wanted Sakala's pace over the top, and I, I do think we got that, as we said. But I'm not sure Aribo and Roof are the right partners in terms of hold-up play and physicality to kind of draw defenders in and create space for Sakala. Morelos would have been a better option in theory, but I don't think he really set the headlight when he came on either no but by that point I think I don't want to say the game was far gone by that point it wasn't we were obviously still in it but the nature of the game that Morelos came on to is entirely different to the one that Sakala started and that's not a dig either it's just the way I see it the facts of how that panned out last night would have started him um, as, as I said earlier I can see what Gerard wanted to do with Sakala's pace but you are relying really heavily on that link up between Sakala, Roof and the Rebo and I, I think the point you made there is really good in terms of do you really think you can get that out of Sakala, Roof and the Rebo in terms of them supporting and linking up the play to put Sakala through do you think you can get that from a Rebo quite possibly I mean we've seen it happen once but you know it happened with Roof I'm not entirely sure Um not sure how much of his game that is. I'm not sure how how well you would actually get that in, in practice, let alone let alone in theory. I think possibly a, a better combination might have been to to drop Roof and put Morelos in. I think that might have been a wee bit more interesting in terms of how Morelos can draw players in, create the space that Sakala could then run into. That might be a wee one for the future we need to keep an eye on. But in terms of where I started them, I'm not gonna to throw the baby out with the bathwater or, or criticise Jared for that because I can see what he was doing. But in, in hindsight, yeah. I probably would have. Kamara gets sent off, David. Um, a nothing booking for me, to be honest. It's, it's nowhere close to an intentional arm in the face or anything, I don't think. The referee was just a few yards away. He seemed absolutely itching to, to book him and, and get him sent off. He had been pretty handy with the cards for a few minutes before that, with Sakala being booked and, and one of the Sparta Prague players. Um, what was your thoughts on the 
second booking as a yellow card and and did you feel that he was getting to that point where he was looking to be a wee bit card happy as well uh it's uh it's a disgrace of a decision from the referee to be quite frank it's never a booking in a million years and as you say adam the guy's staying right at it he's no more than five ten yards away from it he has got the best view in the house to see it and i think you're right i i, I don't think he could get his um just to send him off quick enough he was getting a bit card happy at that point um we talk about you know players have to perform um to a higher level in europe um at this level you shouldn't be experiencing that level of refereeing it's it was so poor just there's there's no defense for that i've defended him for the first for the first booking saying i can understand why he did but Kamara, but there's absolutely no defence to this. It was a, a shocking decision. I just feel sorry for Kamara because that's a it's a nothing situation and the referee has given I mean I I'm not sure the referee is going to be aware of the, the full context around everything and, and why the stadium was, was booing Kamara. Maybe he will have been, I don't know, maybe I'm doing him a disservice there. Um but to give the Sparta Prague fans, Sparta Prague fans, that that moment with Kamara going off, I thought was really poor. I wouldn't. I think have... it was pretty ignorant of the referee. If he didn't, wasn't aware. To be honest, I think if he if he wasn't aware, he should have. Yeah, been. yeah. I, I'm not... I, I find it I'm... impossible to believe that you would go yeah. into that environment with the same and people to share the city with them and and a culture like that and not be aware of it. Now, look, maybe he was aware and decided to do it anyway, which is pretty galling and, and that if it's if it's a genuine second yellow then yeah whatever it is that's football but to do it for that is absolutely ridiculous but if, if he's not aware then that that's that's criminal absolutely criminal on his edge he can't be doing that trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but i think if um i wouldn't want him to not send someone off out of sympathy or anything like that because i don't think it kamara would would be happy with that and i wouldn't be happy with it either but i just think in terms of that just use your common sense a little bit in that situation and regardless of that just referee the game properly because it wasn't a yellow card uh, end of story uh, with that really our, our night was over we did have the ball on the net at one point but Sakala was was offside um, overall really poor from Rangers in defence but also not much to write home about in attack um, it's a theme David we mentioned those balls over the top and us conceding goals were not creating chances at all right now and that to me is a bigger concern because if we can create the chances early doors and we can get two goals up in these games, not necessarily in this game, but more domestically, the chances that teams are getting just aren't an issue. That's it. Um, and you're just you're waiting for that spark, aren't you? Just where we're going to kick on and the form's going to come. But, you know, apart from brief glimpses, you know, the first half against Motherwell, the second half against Livingston, we're just not kicking on. And we're into... We're into October now, and this is it gets to a point where you just have to say this is just how we're we're playing this season, and when do when do we turn it around? I don't know. Are we are the performances being lethargic because right now we've not got anything behind us that causes us real concern? Listen, I know what the Hibs are at a point behind us, and the beers on Sunday they, they they go ahead of us, but are any of us expecting Hibs to still be there come May? I'm not. I mean, I watched them play. Uh, Mirren the, the other week and you know they were quite lucky to, to, to get the draw quite frank that first half I watched um, was one of the worst games of football I've seen for a long time and I've been watching Rangers all this season so that tells you how bad that was um, it just something something needs, needs to give here or it's I don't know what kind of season it's going to be are we going to be 
shown up in Europe and it's just a plodding, chugging domestic season where we eventually we, we win the league because there's nothing to challenge us. Yeah. Do you think oh, what I'm hearing a lot for guys your age and, and older, Adam? Yeah, I Happy think Friday, so. guys. Got <laughs> that Friday feeling. Woohoo. Um, that was a game that I, I think we would have won in both of the last two European campaigns, in my opinion, possibly the first one as well. So really frustrating to come out of it with a with a loss. Um, there are obviously bigger issues coming out of it as well, but I think on, on the pitch, really frustrating. That being said, Ross, the manager does keep mentioning the, the inconsistency in team selections. Um, in our 15 games so far this season, we've fielded 12 different back fours, eight different central midfield combinations and 12 different combinations up front as well as obviously the three different goalkeepers playing. Um, it has to be having an impact on the team, doesn't it? I think we as fans sometimes get so concerned about whether this player's going to be fit for the game and then they miss out and it's going to be a big loss. But then when we do end up playing poorly in those games and not getting a win and someone says, oh, but we were missing that player, it gets classed as an excuse. I don't really understand that. How can it be an issue going into the game? But then if that issue becomes realised in the game, then at the end of the game, it's an excuse. So that narrative doesn't really quite sit quite well with me. But regardless, even if it's injuries or if it's rotation, etc., that amount of change game by game, we haven't named the same starting eleven twice this season. Um, it's got to have an effect on inconsistency, cohesion, new signings settling in, surely. Oh, it, it can't not. And it is, for me, the, the number one overriding reason why we haven't got going so far this season. And look, you can talk about the mentality side of it in terms of is, is the hunger still there after last season? Look, that may be a perfectly valid point to, to raise. And, you know, over the course of a season, that will kind of bear itself out if it's true. But for me, the number one reason why we haven't clicked into any kind of gear so far, let's be honest, is because of the lack of consistency in selection. And that's nobody's fault, really. When else under this management team, or really, you, you lads are a wee bit older than myself, but when else in memory have we had this, these kind of forced, forced absences from the squad, whether it be through, through injury or the late people coming back from, from the summer or suspensions at points, COVID's obviously a new thing that's going to play a massive part this season. It can't not help but disrupt the cohesion of the squad. And look, the, the, the further we get into the season, the more you would like that to kind of settle down a wee bit. It's absolutely wild to know we've not had our troubles to seek at all in terms of injuries. And over the course of the season, we like to think that would calm itself down, but it does seem to be every other game now we have someone dropping like flies. I think of Connor Golden, Mr. Consistent for Rangers since Gerard came in, doesn't miss games of football for Rangers and it's now missed two in a month possibly in Sunday as well um, if, if he doesn't make it I, I think that just kind of screams screams everything you need to, to hear about Rangers this season and look that's not, not Gerard's fault as I say that's it's nobody's fault but until we get that consistency in selection and we have those kind of players available at the one time I, I don't see how you can expect the team to, to gel in a way that we did last season when we were very fortunate with injuries and suspensions that we just didn't get a lot of them Looking ahead to Sunday's game then, Marshall, uh, quick turnaround again to get ready for what I think will be a good game. Uh, I kind of agree with yourself. I think um, it's maybe unlikely that Hibs will, will keep pace at, at the top of the league. Um, maybe more likely that they'll finish second, but that's a, another debate, not for this podcast. Um, I don't think anyone can possibly predict a, a starting 11 right now, but you imagine Morelos and, and hopefully Goldson can come into the starting lineup, Marshall. Yeah, I mean, certainly in terms of uh, 
Golson, I, I, I hope so. I mean, he's not been at the level he was last year so far, but still, for me, still a bunny uh, centre-half. Um, the rest of the team, as you say, you know, it's, um, it's any money at this point. It could it could be anything from for their onwards. I'll be, I'll be even convinced that the McGregor will start over McLaughlin come Sunday. I don't know. Um, the team at the moment is really, really hard to predict. I think that is adding to, to our inconsistency. As Ross says, I don't see how it's not just not being able to get settled in position, get in it settled into uh, a rhythm. Um, I think quite a few of the team have you know, went up to the greats of fitness come the start of the season. I think that's probably a, a bigger discussion for another pod in terms of how our, pre, how our pre-season was handled. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Alfie's fit, I think he's play. I think if Golson's fit, he, he'll, he'll definitely play. But other than that, um, Tav, and that, that would be the only three I could, I'd, I could comfortably predict right now. Yeah, it's a far cry from last year when we did have some... We did have some flexibility um, in, in the team and obviously certain players came in at various points, but I think more more often than not, we had seven or eight players that you knew were starting every game and they were fit uh, and we kind of rotated uh, around that. Maybe a centre-half, one of the midfielders and one of the forwards would rotate from, from game to game usually, so it's, it's a far cry, it's an absolute lottery. Ross, um, Hibs are doing well, as we said, um, as are Hearts, who we face in the international, after the international break. What, what do you think for the game on on Sunday? How do you think we're going to go? I assume we're going to have a bit of a hangover again from Europe. We'll probably have um, a bit of man management to do and, and getting the arm around players, obviously Kamara, but then there were other players that unfortunately have, have been suffering racist abuse as well on the park. So there's going to have to be a bit of, of man management there as well. Um, I'm not sure I really expect us to get the, the energy back into the team that we've been missing in, in this game, but... How do you think it's going to go? Sunday, Sunday for me is just about getting through it. Getting through it with three points by hook or by crook. I'm not demanding, as I'd like it, but I'm not demanding anything pretty or fancy on Sunday. I don't expect it to be there. I'm, I don't think any of us are quixotic enough to think that we are just going to suddenly click into gear the Sunday before the international break after coming back from, from Prague in Europe. It's not going to happen. Um, if I was Jack Ross, I'd be making that point abundantly clear to the Hibs players and saying, look, go after them on Sunday. Let's not beat around the bush. We're not in the best of form. We're not playing very well. We've already dropped points at Ibrox this season. It's not even got the, the kind of fortress mentality that we, we carried through um, 2020-2021. So in terms of how I see Sunday go, it's, it's going to be a tough one. It's, it's obviously going to be a tough one. And for me, it is just getting get out, win the game. Let's not let ourselves be dragged into, if in narrative only, uh, a title race with Hibs. Um, because I don't think any of us feel that Celtic are going to be up to much this season. That's not a disparaging thing about them. They're in a transitional season. Um, they will take their time to do what they need to do. But it's all about us. And let's not get dragged into something that could get very, very messy very quickly. The big thing about Rangers last year was that they got the job done in certain moments in the season where they hadn't done before um, and I completely agree I think it's a a big chance on Sunday just to put the marker down and say that this is our title and we're not really for, for giving up 
Okay, um, that's all from tonight for us. Just a reminder uh, on the vaccine passports. This might have changed by the time this came out, as it's changing every single hour, to be honest. But um, Rangers released a statement saying, after further engagement with the Scottish Government, we can confirm that although we are being encouraged to use this game as a test event, no supporter will be refused entry. We apologise for the inconvenience regarding this confusion, which has been beyond our control. So all good for Sunday with regards to that, despite the chaos surrounding it. David, thank you for joining me. No, pleasure as always, mate, as uh, depressing as this was for the majority of the show. And Ross, good to have you on. No, thanks for having me, mate, and I hope everyone has a good weekend. Yep, same there, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.